We are on Ksubis Nuntes Amabez, beginning a new Mishnah. Until now, the Gemara has been discussing a lot. The Mishnah and the Gemara has been discussing a lot about the different obligations that the husband has towards his wife, number one. And number two, some of the monetary obligations that the husband has towards his wife and vice versa, what the wife has towards her husband, the different monetary obligations. This opening mission now discusses uh, not just the monetary obligations, but uh, the other responsibilities that the wife has towards her husband, what she has to do uh, for her husband. Um, and the Mishnah has uh, the following list. Uh, the following things a wife uh, should do for her husband. It's important to note that the Rambam, Maimonides, as he introduces this in his laws, he says that it really depends on the Minag HaMedina. What is the culture of the land of that time? And depending on that, that's what she would have to do. Our Mishnah has a certain list, but it really depends on the culture of the time. But in addition to that, as we will see, there are definitely opinions that say that she has to do something, as we will see. Uh, she can't do nothing. That she does for her husband. Uh, she has to uh, grind the flour, bake, uh, do the laundry, cook. Uh, the obligation is to her, her husband to nurse her son uh, because the obligation to feed the children falls on uh, the husband, on the father. And so uh, when, the, when the, uh, the child is a baby, so then... Uh, the way that is fulfilled is through the wife, the mother uh, nursing her her son. Now it could be, there's also a discussion amongst the commentators, what if it's a, a child that he brings into the marriage that's not hers, uh, or let's say there are twins, would it be any, is, it, is it a real obligation for her to, to tire herself out? Uh, we're not talking about whether, obviously if she wants to, so, which uh, is, happens most of the time, the vast majority of the time, uh, then she's allowed to, but uh, if she doesn't want to, is this an obligation on her, or is it not an obligation on her? So that is discussed. Matzas uh, amita v'osa b'tzemer, or to uh, uh, make the bed, and then v'osa b'tzemer, and then to um, to stitch with wool, uh, to stitch with wool. Uh, so that's that's the basic list, um, and that that's the list as we pointed out before in our Mishnah. Uh, of what happened at that time. And the Ramam says that everything really depends on uh, the culture of the land and, uh, and the time period that they're living in. Uh, except, for, except for the last one. The last one is to work. The one to work is not necessarily for the husband, per se, as we will see, but uh, it's so that she's doing something. She's occupied with something, working with uh, stitching and making clothing with wool, uh, so that is something which perhaps is not an obligation towards her husband when it comes to baking and laundry and uh, and, and making the bed. So that that's directly that's directed that's that, that's work that's directed towards her husband with regards to uh, the stitching. So then it could be that that's so that she's doing something so that she she's not uh, bored, uh, but we want her to be working. Um, so we, we we want her to be occupied. Um, and uh, to be fulfilled and to be proactive in uh, in the world. So the Gemara says, If she has her own 
a maid servant. So then she doesn't have to do all of it. If she has one maid servant, she doesn't have to uh, grind the flour or bake or do laundry. But she does have to do the rest. Shtaim, if she has two maid servants, she doesn't have to. She's not required to cook. She's not required to nurse her child. Um, again, if she wants to, she could, but she's not required to. If she has three maid servants, so then she doesn't have to make the bed either. And she also doesn't have to uh, stitch at all, according to this first opinion. If she has four maid servants, uh, she doesn't have to do anything, even the most basic uh, requests uh, to, to bring to bring him something from the from the attic, from the second floor to the first floor. In general, that would be something that, even though the mission doesn't list it, but that would be something that she would be obligated in. But if she has four maidservants, they could do everything according to the first opinion of the Mishnah. She could just sit back and relax. If she has other people who could do it, so then she could just sit back and relax and do nothing. That's, uh, that's the first opinion of the Mishnah. The Gemara then says, the Mishnah, sorry, then says, Rebelezer Omer, Rebelezer says, no. No. Even if she has 100 maidservants, it doesn't make a difference. She has to be doing something. We force her to do something. She doesn't have to do the entire list, but she has to work because just wasting time leads to bad things. It leads to, uh, uh, he says, it leads to sexual immorality. It leads to, to, to improper thoughts. Just wasting time is not productive. says on a similar note that even if a, person, a husband, if he uh, takes a, an oath that he will not get any benefit from anything that his wife does so that his wife is not doing anything for him and therefore she's not doing anything, um, so then he has to divorce her and give her a ksuba. That is... Very wrong, because, and he explains for a different reason. He says because just doing nothing, if she did absolutely nothing, so then uh, she would go uh, mishugana. She would, she would, she would be bored, completely bored. Uh, she wouldn't have uh, be able to uh, uh, be, be productive, and we want her to be productive. And so, definitely in the times of the Mishnah, in the times of the Gemara, uh, they uh, their their main. Their main focus was on attending to the house and making sure that uh, she's taking care of her husband and of the kids and the family needs, which uh, takes a, took and continues to take a significant amount of time. Uh, we mentioned that if there's maidservants, there's, there's a machlokas, there's a dispute in the Mishnah as to whether or not she has to do something. According to the first opinion, no. She, if she has enough maidservants, she doesn't have to do anything. But according to the other two opinions, Rabbi Lezer and Mishra Gamaliel, uh, the idea is that she still has to, uh, she has to be preoccupied, she has to be productive, we want her to be uh, productive. So let's say uh, in today's time, if uh, because it's uh, it's a lot faster to do laundry and uh, we could have other help, so we still we want her to be productive to help out society, uh, and we want her to be self fulfilled. So therefore, uh, we uh, we encourage her to work um, if uh, everything else is taken care of and uh, uh, all the other obligations are taken care of. And again, as Rambam pointed out, that it depends on the times what exactly those obligations are, uh, but we want her to be productive according to those two last two opinions. Okay, that is the Mishnah. Says the Gemara. The Gemara first has one line. Uh, just uh, It just comments on the Mishnah. It says, She's really the one who's grinding, or actively she's grinding. They have a mill. So the Gemara says, yeah, it could be that. It doesn't mean that she's actively the one grinding herself, it means that she's using a, a mill, 
Alternatively, it could be that uh, the miller requires uh, her hands, and uh, uh, it's uh, her, it's her using the mill with her with her hands, and she has to. It's not just uh, running through water necessarily, but it's uh, she has to use her hands to 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 use the mill. Uh, but that's just a side point. Okay, the Gemara now says as an interesting comment. The Gemara says, Our Mishnah, which says that she has all these obligations, these different these different responsibilities towards the family, towards her husband, does not go does not go in accordance with Rabbi Chia. Why? Rabbi Chia, Rabbi Chia taught, Essentially, Rabbi Chia is of the opinion that uh, one, this is how the commentators explain it, that one shouldn't obligate uh, one's wife uh, to do something, to do activity which will impact her beauty, which will impact her ability to have children, which will impact uh, the, the jewelry that she has. If there's, if there's, if, if there's activities which will uh, impact any of these things, uh, her beauty, the ability to have children, any, any of these things, then we say that is not a responsibility of hers. We want to make sure, first and foremost, says Rabbi Chia, we want to make sure that uh, she has the ability to uh, look presentable, but also uh, to and also to have, to have children. Uh, and we do not want her to do work which will prevent that. That is the position of Rabbi Chia. We do not follow this position, uh, and uh, that goes against the Mishnah. The Mishnah says no. She does do these the various work, even if it will impact her beauty. Uh, she still has to work. Um, and uh, it argues on Rabbi Chia. Uh, even though we don't follow this position of Rabbi Chia, it is interesting to note that there's a, there's a discussion about uh, elective surgery. What happens if a person wants to uh, do elective surgery, plastic surgery, um, for, uh, for their own beauty? Uh, so Rabbi Moshe Feinstein discusses this. Uh, what would be the problem? The problem is that one's causing wound to, a wound to themselves. Uh, so, if they're causing a wound to themselves, but if it's uh, if it's for a purpose, for for a useful purpose, so then it's allowed. But if it's not for a useful purpose, uh, let's say in uh, broad terms, without getting into specifics, it wouldn't be allowed. So Moshe Feinstein uses this principle to explain why, uh, if uh, a woman would want to, uh, so then she'd be allowed to, because uh, it's important for her to to look uh, to look nice and to look presentable. Um, Okay, that is that part of the Gemara. Let's see a few more lines in the Gemara. Umenika Espina, another obligation that she has to her husband. It sounds like it's to her husband. Some of the commentators point out that the obligation is not just to her husband, but it's also to her child, uh, to the baby that she has, is that she has to nurse the baby, that she has an obligation to nurse the baby. So the Gemara says, Maybe this too, this part of the Mishnah, argues with uh, another opinion, with the opinion of Beishamai, Ditanya, because we have the following brace. Beishamai says, let's say she takes an oath that she will not, uh, she will not nurse her child. Does that work or does that not work? Beishamai says, uh, it works. It works. The, the baby would then have to be nursed from some other, from some other, uh, woman. Beishamai argues and says, no, we force her. She cannot make such an oath. She's already obligated. She already has a responsibility towards her husband, perhaps towards her child, to nurse. And therefore, even if she takes such an oath, it doesn't work. That sounds like our Mishnah. But Beishamai 
doesn't sound like our Mishnah. How can we fit? Uh, Beishamai seems to say that uh, it doesn't uh, that, that she has the ability to make such an oath, and it's not really uh, a responsibility of hers to uh, to nurse her own child. If she takes such an oath, then it would it would work because in the end of the day, the responsibility to feed the children falls on her husband, on the father, and so she doesn't have a particular responsibility in that. If she wants to, obviously she could, but she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't have a responsibility. Let's just finish the brisa before we get to. to the Gemara's continuation of the of an answer, uh, but the Brisa continues. Niskarsha inukofa. If they get divorced, everybody agrees that if they get divorced, uh, so then we do not force uh, the wife slash mother to nurse her baby. It's a responsibility of the father. The father has to find somebody who will uh, give milk to the to the baby. So we don't for, we don't force the wife the mother. Again, these are all cases where she doesn't want to do it. However. If the baby will only nurse from his or her mother, uh, because they recognize the mother and will not nurse from anybody else, uh, so then we, we we force the mother to nurse out of out of sakana. It's dangerous to the to the baby, and, but we pay just like the the husband would have to pay somebody else uh, to nurse. So too the husband would have to pay his ex wife to nurse uh, her own baby because she doesn't have to. The obligation is not placed on her if she doesn't want to. She does not have to. Um, and therefore, the husband would have to would have to pay her. Now, just as a side point, it just it's interesting. What comes out of this is that we have a baby here who is in a dangerous situation. The baby has to nurse in order to survive. Uh, the only one who could save the baby is the mother. The mother is the only one who could save the baby. So that when the mother uh, nurses the baby, the, the mother is engaging in an act of uh, of saving a life. She's saving the life of her child, of her of her son or daughter. Um, and yet, we see that even though she, she has an obligation to save, if anybody could, if anybody has the, the power to save somebody's life, so then they have an obligation. It's a mitzvah in the Torah to save somebody else's life. So if that's the case, uh, we see from here that she still, even though she has an obligation to save somebody else's life, if she loses out as a result of it, because she could have been doing work elsewhere, so then there's an obligation to pay her. One has an obligation to pay her. Um, and so therefore, anytime we could extend this to apply this to any time. Anytime somebody goes out of their way to save somebody else's life, if they lost money as a result of it, either they used money in the process or they weren't able to work, so then they should get paid. They have to get paid uh, for what they did, even though it's an obligation. The Torah tells us that you have to save somebody else's life. There's an obligation to do so. Nevertheless, if money is lost as a result of it, they, they, they lost out uh, financially, so then there's an obligation to pay that person. That seems to be what would come out of our Gemara. Either way, that was really just a side topic. The Gemara now asks, was asking, it seems like our mission is not like Beishamai, because Beishamai says that she can take such an oath. So the Gemara will attempt to say that, no, our mission is even like Beishamai, but then it will reject it. The Gemara says, The Gemara wants to suggest that, you know what the case is? The case is where she took an oath, and the husband, in order for her to take an oath, um, if the hu- the husband has to agree to it, has has one day to um, to annul the vow. But if he doesn't do so, so then he's agreeing to it, and he's saying that the, such an oath should take place. Um, and her responsibility is to her husband. So Beishamai, really Beishamai, holds that she does have responsibility to her husband. Suggest the Gemara. We will reject this in a minute. But suggest the Gemara that she does have responsibility to her husband to nurse. But what's the case? The case here is where the husband agreed to it. 
the husband agreed to it, so then it should work, says Beishamai. Um, and that it's really, it's he's the one who's preventing, he agreed to it, so he's the one who's preventing her from nursing. Basil says, no, in the end of the day, when she took this oath, even though the husband agreed to it, but it's, it was her doing. She took the oath. She took the oath uh, to get out of something which is uh, a responsibility that she has, and therefore the oath uh, does not come into effect according to Basila. That's how the Gemara wants to understand this argument between Beishami and Basila. Essentially, that uh, everybody agrees that she has a responsibility to nurse, but uh, when she takes an oath and the husband agrees to it, so then is it the husband who's the one who's who's basically saying that she doesn't have to nurse, which is the position of Beishami? Therefore, she doesn't have to nurse. Or do we follow like Basila uh, to say that it's really? Um, uh, her oath, and therefore uh, it does not come into effect because she has a responsibility to nurse. But the Gemara rejects this. The Gemara says, wait a minute. The Gemara says, If this is the case, so then why are we having this argument between Beishamah and Beishelel specifically about nursing? Discuss any responsibility that she has towards her husband. If everybody agrees she has a responsibility to nurse, so then we should discuss all the different responsibilities she has towards her husband. And we should give in all those cases. But if she takes an oath and the husband agrees to it, then we have the following argument between Beisham and Bissel, but that's not what's happening. We don't see that there's an argument between Beisham and Bissel by all the other responsibilities. It's only in this case. And furthermore, there's another Brysa that says that according to Beisham, black on white, she does not have to nurse. She doesn't have any responsibility whatsoever. So in the end of the day, in the end of the day, our mission is not like Bishamai. Bishamai is of the opinion that she has no responsibility whatsoever to nurse. Obviously, if she wants to, she can. But uh, she has no responsibility if she doesn't want to. It's not uh, her responsibility. It's the father's responsibility to feed his children. Uh, it's not her responsibility. And therefore, that is the mission. But Bishamai, uh, um, and that, that, that is the position of Bishamai. Our mission says that no, that uh, she has a responsibility uh, to nurse her children towards her husband. Uh, the, the father has to provide for the entire family, but the, the wife has to, um, has to nurse, uh, nurse the child um, and, and provide for that uh, when the child is young, and then the father will, will support uh, the children after, after that. Okay, that is, we reach the bottom of Nantesim Bez 59b, and we'll continue with interesting Gemaras on Dav Samech Omeral of 60a.